0: Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we're learning how to invest. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best way you can do it, the way Take, that will let oh, you have
1: I was gonna I say think, my,
0: my favorite ta- new catchphrase. Oh, oh, okay. Take
1: heart. <laughs> Take
0: heart. <laughs> Take heart and and focus on an investing strategy used by the best investors in the world who are include Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, people who are consistently making well above 15% per year, commonly in a range of 20% per year or bigger for 20, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, um, which can make you very, very wealthy. And they're doing this with less risk than you're taking in your mutual fund. They have an actual beta on their stocks that they've invested in. This was discovered by Burton Malkiel at Princeton, that Buffett's beta, his risk-adjusted portfolio was lower risk than the S&P 500 index, and Mm -hmm. your mutual fund is mimicking that at best. So here you got a guy who's making 20% per year or more for 60 years with lower risk, according to efficient market theory, than an index, than what you're taking. Where is that? I haven't heard index. that before. Malkiel yeah. wrote
1: wrote an article or something. Yeah,
0: no, it's in his book, Random Which Walk book? on Wall Street. Oh,
1: it's in Random Walk on Wall Street. Oh, how interesting. Yeah,
0: because he he realized that you when you're looking at Buffett, at least I think it is. I'm, I may have conflated this with somebody else's book, but I think it's. Oh his no! Book. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> I read his book a long time ago. And yeah, don't I was going to say it. I don't recom- I don't remember that from the book, well, and that seems like a
1: big thing. But I also have a bad memory.
0: I could be wrong. It could have been um, a study done by one of the University of Chicago guys Hmm. who who were the developers of modern portfolio theory who basically looked at Buffett's portfolio to find out, certainly they were going to find out, that his level of risk was far above the S&P 500 since it's axiomatic in efficient market theory that you have to take more risk to get higher rates of return. And here's Buffett's rates of return, um more than double the S&P 500 so certainly his risk adjusted portfolio must have been at more than double risk than the S&P 500 it turned out it was far less than the S&P 500 so that didn't compute until they started to realize ah we have an out we can we can understand this in a very special way and that is that just pure luck can generate a Warren Buffett just pure luck you can have in a perfectly random system where you're in a coin flip between, you know, heads and tails, you absolutely can have a monkey somewhere in the universe doing a hundred heads in a row. And Warren Buffett is that lucky monkey. So that was their conclusion after discovering that he was massively violating every tenant of modern portfolio theory, including the beta on his portfolio. So the only way out for modern portfolio theory was to simply say he's a lucky monkey. And you have to have one because every every random system has a bell curve and there's always lucky monkeys out there mm-hmm. on the tails or very unlucky monkeys on the tails. And if you don't have that, you're probably not really looking at a random system. You're looking at something that's been cooked up. So they took great solace in finding that, ah, if we didn't have a Warren Buffett, we'd have to invent one. In order for our theory to be true. I love it. All that right. So if so anybody wonderful.
1: knows who wrote that and where it came from, email us at questions at investedpodcast.com.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things that sticks in because, my head, but I don't have the bibliography. Yeah, I don't
1: like saying, saying, quote unquote, facts that we don't yeah, have true. attribution for.
0: True. Aren't you glad I, I, I hedged it?
1: Aren't you glad I asked? <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I am am glad you hedged it, because poor Mr. Malkiel's going. I totally disagree with that. Actually, I'm going to go grab my book off the shelf after this and see if it's
0: in there. Text. (laughs) Oh yeah, we'll get an email from from Burton (laughs) saying I really don't agree with anything you say. I
1: really don't want you to use my name in reference to anything ever again. again. Ever. Ever.
0: So let's go on. (laughs) Moving on from from Um, quoting our sources incorrectly. We are talking talking about
1: checklists. About checklists.
0: And the first one is, you know, where did it come from? That's called radar.
1: Okay. So dad has made this checklist. It is not his exact checklist necessarily that he uses for investing, but it's close and, um, many, many caveats that we recited the last few episodes about how you need to make your own checklist and it's very personal to you. And, um, as you'll see, as we go through this, as we already found last time, a lot of this stuff is super individual and you need to ask questions or provide criteria that, um, really jog the parts of your memory and your process that need to be jogged. And they're going to be different for each of us. So caveat, 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 make your own. Um, so there's... (laughs) an acronym which is shocker of all shockers if you know philtown rules r u l e s first one is r radar second one is u understand then l love e event and s story inversion so, radar, understand love event and then story inversion. Those are the categories and we went through the first one, radar, last episode. So, we're not going to go through it again, but there's just three. And um, should I read them off? Do you think, Dad? No.
0: No. Go we're not going to gonna read them off. The previous one. Go we've listen we've the previous reiterated one. enough. It's time to move on. But hold on, before we
1: before we move on. It's not I have time a question yet, about <laughs> It's not <time>. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question about it though. This is, we can move on. This is moving on. This is an overarching moving on question. Um, So these, these criteria that you set forth were pretty foundational, I would say. Like, like the last one is, I want to know this industry or I already know this industry. And I see a checklist as something, and you even described your process, as the checklist comes after you've done um, a good amount of research into a company. So is that how you use this? Or do you use it as a more like pre-research, um, pre, pre, pre research, prerequisite type of checklist before you do use,
0: Yeah, good question. I use it both ways. Um, and after you use something like this a lot, you start to know that you're going to go take a company through this process <clears throat> and it starts to inform you more than a little bit about what you're actually going to look at at all, mm-hmm. right? So I know I want stuff in my three circles. I know I want stuff that a guru's looking at. I know I want to be in industries I already understand. I already know all that. So that's informing what I'm looking at, what I'm willing to to spend time doing research on, mm-hmm. and um, and then. I have analysts working for me, so they're going to bring me stuff that doesn't necessarily fit into that. And sometimes I have to try to push the edge of my circles a little bit, or sometimes I'm I'm willing to just sit there and listen to them tell me about something that's not in my circles at all. But almost inevitably, those things end up too hard for me, and we don't do them. Hmm. So yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say that this is something that it is from the outset informing what I'm even looking at.
1: Okay. So it's not a final check checklist. It's a no. Did you say no?
0: Well, that's on the way in. On the way in, I already know kind of the main pieces of this that I need to look at. And um, so, for example, if somebody, if if I'm looking at a guru and a guru is buying a commodity company, an oil company is a commodity company. Mm -hmm. I know already that the moat is going to be a challenge. Right. Commodity companies have a lot of moat issues Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. nobody cares that you grew peaches. Right. It's like everybody grows peaches. So what if yours are, you know, picked a day early? It doesn't matter. Uh, So um, I I know just by knowing the checklist, there's a lot there that I'm going to think about before I even look at a company. Like Mm -hmm. when you get we get down to the L love the business, we're talking about our values. So. I already I would already know if I know about a business that this fits or doesn't fit my value set. So I may not even get to the checklist, right? Because but but I've already been there. It's kind of like I'm so I'm it not sounds getting like it's it, kind of a, been there.
1: You use it at any given point in the process and oh, you yeah. use it just to remind yourself of what your criteria are.
0: But we go we go deeper than that. I mean, it's like I we build a book around every company. And that book goes on the shelf. It's literally, we print it. And that book has pages of the checklist with answers to every question that are in the book. So it could be one question might take us a full page to answer, or it may be just a brief sentence, or it might be just a word. But we're going to use that check, uh, all these checklists, we use them pretty much like this, like we're going to give them to you. And we use them like, Kind of religiously.
1: That's interesting because that's not a checklist. Like that's not, you're not checking it off.
0: Yeah, we're checking it off. It has to meet that criteria. if you have
1: paragraphs of description, then that's not a check off. That's a question mark.
0: Well, for us, like if you're on an airplane, you know? Yeah. And it says, you know, pull the wheel lever to lower the wheels. Right. Check. Check. Okay. Well, we have to say how you pull the lever to lower the wheels. In other words, you're doing a physical action, so it's just a checklist, but we're doing a mental action, so you have to write it down.
1: Yeah, okay. Different ways of I thinking think about it. Different ways of thinking about it. Okay. Um, well, I'd
0: like to see what your checklist is where you just go check.
1: Well, yeah, so that's what I guess that's kind of what I'm heading towards. Well, I, mean, you, I think I some, you could go check. I think some you know? investors do have a checklist that's intentionally check well, here, or no check. Well, let me give check. you an example
0: on, on this checklist we're going to do today about the meaning of the business, the first one on the list is, I can describe how this business makes money in one simple sentence. Mm -hmm. Check. Check. Well, I want to see the sentence. (laughs) 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 I don't want you to, I don't want to tell myself I can do it and then not do it. So, so let's revisit,
1: let's revisit this question when we're done. Cause I About think we'll be, will be more informed. I didn't say what's a real checklist. We'll okay. now, a real checklist. No, you may, you can't, I didn't say that. I don't think it's one's real and one's not. I just think that um, they have different purposes, right? Okay. So radar thought, and then
0: replay the tape, but I thought you said this isn't really a checklist because a checklist is something you just check. The box. Oh, maybe I did say that. You might have said that. <laughs> I think I said that. All right. <laughs> You're <But> right. <laughs> I think this works as a checklist. So, okay. okay. Let's let's dive in.
1: Understand is the next Understand. one.
0: All right. So this is broken up, as we said last time, into the four components of Charlie Munger's checklist, which is understanding the business, has a durable competitive advantage that's intrinsic, it's got management, it has talent and integrity, and it has a margin of safety to avoid the vicissitudes of life, so that's And you Charlie's. also
1: said last time that you use the four M's to describe them, which is from your first book, Rule Number One,
0: right? Which parallel, which is exact parallels, but different names for it. So yeah. when Charlie says understand, I say, you know, know the meaning of the business. He says durable competitive advantage. It's intrinsic. I say moat. He says management. I say management. He says margin of safety. I say margin. So they're almost the same. Mm-hmm. They they mean the same things. The semantic differences there. Mm-hmm. All right. So this one, we start with understand and we break it up into these four components and we're actually going to break this up into uh, three components that would affect how we view the businesses, whether it's wonderful or not. So this is kind of the wonderfulness checklists okay? and then three components that break it up into margin of safety. So we're going to look at margin of safety three different ways, like we discussed in the book, Invested. Okay. So margin of safety, the payback time, and 10 cap views of value and price. Cool. Okay. So we actually have six checklists underneath what the, the U letter would cover. Understand. Okay. Let's. All right. Very good. We'll figure it <clears throat> out. And the first we'll one try is. try to
1: figure it out anyway.
0: Understanding the meaning of the business. Okay. So what does this business mean in the world? How does, how do we describe this business? So I, let me, shall I run through them really fast? Can, yeah, we'll good idea. And then we put these up on the website.
1: Good, read, read all of them. Good idea. All right.
0: And so don't worry about taking them down when you're driving or anything. This is just real quick. Um, and I may even paraphrase. So I can describe how the business makes money in a simple sentence. I can describe the top three competitors and their way of making money in a simple sentence. The business is one or two in its industry by cash flow. I can describe the core customer, in a sentence. I know what the problem the business solves. I can rattle off the history of the business. I know why businesses fail in this industry. I can say why this industry will be going strong in 10 years. I can list the key numbers, key performance indicators, KPIs that the industry follows and I can list the key risks a business takes in this industry. Oh, All right. that's cool. All right. So a, a relatively deep dive into the industry and a demand in the checklist to be able to say it in a simple sentence, hmm. because what I'm not saying here is if I can't do that, it's probably too hard for me. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Was Shall that all of them
1: or is that? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so it. tell them one one at a time.
0: Okay. I can describe how the business makes money in a simple sentence.
1: I can so, describe okay. how the business makes money in a simple sentence.
0: Yeah. So Chipotle Mexican grill, they sell gourmet uh gourmet natural and organic food to the masses. Hmm. That's what they do. True. Right. True. And that gives them a unique, like I've just described a business in a simple sentence. And it's really hard to find another business that does that at all, much less on a national scale. So we we're right away immediately with just that sentence into the moat. Boom, right there. So that's kind of cool. If you you see the description of the sentence also turns into a moat statement, that's rocketly. That's really good. I like that a lot. Hmm. Okay.
1: What would it be for Amazon?
0: <laughs> now, there's a six inch bar. There's a simple business. I don't know what it would be for Amazon. Okay, you guys, you can take a crack at that. Let's see some simple sentences on what Amazon does. The, the great disruptor, right? What it's, harder when,
1: it's harder when it comes to multifaceted businesses. Which are, to your point, and I think this is what you're trying to get at with this checklist item, um, it's harder to understand multifaceted businesses.
0: Yes, ma'am. Very hard to understand. So, for example, Berkshire, which is a multifaceted business, 60, 70 private companies. Right. 30, 40 public companies. Insurance business, which is almost, you know, just opaque. They're sort of hard to understand Banking and then business, a whole a like finance. stock investing component, which is mm-hmm. like, all right. Well, stock investing component. And it may be possible to put that into a simple sentence. I can describe how this business makes money in a simple sentence. Berkshire buys companies that are wonderful and on sale.
1: Oh, I was going to say Berkshire buys value.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. I think we both we both said the same thing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So sometimes it's not that hard trying to say that about Amazon. I, if I, maybe you guys can figure it out right off the top of my head. I haven't tried, but right off the top of my head, that's a little tougher. You know, back when they were selling books out of uh, Bezos garage, it'd be a little easier. Yeah. Right.
1: I th- I'm trying to think. Um, I think Amazon provides, I mean, you can get really esoteric with these things, right? Like you could say like Amazon provides what we need. In every possible way,
0: but that's oh my god! You got to say something so that makes vague, useful. Yeah, exactly. Investing. I mean, these guys but have I taken on IBM basically... with AWS. They've right. taken on they, I, they're just challenging one major industry after another, which to this point have had nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. But Bezos starts to realize that all the things he built to make book selling work online result in disruptive technology to all kinds of industries. that's really tough to put in one sentence and really tough to understand the business, where it'll be in 10 years. I mean, it's a joggernaut. So you think it'll be someplace bigger. But, you know, that's a hard business for me to understand. I I don't see Warren Buffett buying into it either.
1: Yeah, they've bought some Amazon.
0: Yeah, well, Ted and Todd. (laughs) That's what everybody always says,
1: oh, Ted and Todd.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, next one.
1: Wait, wait. Oh, wait, not done. Does that then beg the question, in certain situations, um, if you can't answer it in one sentence or you can't adequately describe it in one sentence, is that really a um, disqualifier?
0: It certainly pushes the disqualification flag up. Yeah, I I would say that would be a big red flag. Now I'm going to continue on if there's other really good reasons, like, you know, somebody I really respect owns a lot of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to make it work. I'm not going to try to dump it because I can't make a sentence. Mm-hmm. Because maybe I don't understand it well enough yet to make that sentence happen. But it shoves a red flag up very quickly for me if I can't say these guys make great burritos that are you know have gourmet food for the masses. Because
1: the red flag is saying <clears throat> this is complicated. Not yeah. that it's a bad business. Not that you can't understand it. It's just saying this is this is a complicated one.
0: Well, it's complicated for me. I mean that's what this is all for you. Yeah. Right. This is all for me. remember this is me. So, yeah. you know, if Travis is looking at AMAT or something, he might not find it complicated in the least. And I'm like, ah, I can't do that. Right. So it's what what makes it easy for me. All right. Next. You ready? Okay. Okay. I can describe the top three competitors and and their secret sauce for making money in one simple sentence each.
1: I can describe the top three competitors and how they make money, or is it important to say their secret sauce?
0: Well, I just said it that way. That's how you have it. Okay. Yeah, it's like, what's Their their secret? secret
1: sauce for making money. Yeah, I assume you mean like as opposed to the subject company.
0: Right. So if I'm looking at Chipotle, I'm also looking at... Uh, Kidaba, I'm looking at, um, I've always been a while since I've dug into these guys. There's, there's a, a bunch of companies that would compete with them, either straight up as burrito companies or
1: yeah, they it's make basically, Mexican food. Right. It's like Mexican food or right. fast casual.
0: So I'm going to look at Baja Fresh and, uh, there's a burrito company out there. I forget the name of it. Um, but basically I'm going to know each of these well enough to understand how they're competing out there in the market because they all got big enough for me to know who they are Mm -hmm. so they're doing something right well what is that thing that they're doing right that is simple to understand and you can see right away if i'm looking at a company like uh a a chip maker company i mean i gotta understand how their competitors compete with them and it's like "Ah!" I was drowning already. Immediately, I can just take that and put it in the too hard box. Because I just... I feel like I'm drowning as soon as I start to ask those questions. Mm. Right? Whereas with this one... And it wouldn't even be fun for me to try to go and find out. I mean, Mm. it would not be fun. Whereas, if I haven't already, I can certainly go and start buying Baja Fresh and see if I like what they got better than Chipotle or go over to Cadoba or whatever. And just... Start buying the competitor. that'd, that'd be fun because I like Mexican food a ton. When I you say Mexican
1: buying food. the competitor, do you mean going to I mean buy a burrito?
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, buy the burritos. Go into okay. the stores. Just clarifying. Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking at retail, anything. Like if you're looking at Alta and and you're trying to understand Alta, you know, you try to describe how they make money in a simple sentence, you know, well, they 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 have uh commoditized or I don't know if that's the right word, they've just made retail what up until now has been a specialty sale of cosmetics and um and they've brought in a wide range of cosmetics uh to sell you so they give you a lot of choices um i mean that might be a bad sentence for ulta but you get the idea you make a sentence and then you look at its competitors okay well there's sephora over there there and which is the the big one and they're coming on strong and they're starting to build their stores bigger because they saw what Ulta was doing and now they're Mm -hmm. a serious competitor and you know you really would I enjoy learning about that. Yeah, I know I I do actually enjoy learning, but it's fun to go into these stores and talk about makeup. Mm -hmm. I like it (laughs) actually like it. I've seen you do this
1: stuff way before I started learning about investing. I would see you (laughs) do this stuff and it was so embarrassing. (laughs) I just can't. It's like, you just be there just trying to like get your shopping done. And there would dad be like, so do you like working at this company? And the first one would be like, what?
0: Do you remember the Urban Outfitters research stuff I was doing? I remember that, at, that you were market. weirdly
1: excited to go to Urban Outfitters. And it was well, very you guys,
0: confusing. You guys <laughs> pointed it out to me. I mean, you basically were like, Oh uh, look at that! It's Urban Outfitters had lines all through the store waiting to get to the cash register. Yeah,
1: yeah. I will never
0: forget that. Really this popular. was in the um, at Farmers Market and at Third and Fairfax in L.A. And I was like, "Whoa, look at these guys!" I think that was like 2001 or something like that. You were just kids. I couldn't believe it. It was just like, "What is going on here?" So yeah, that's it. It, it all it is embarrassing. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you care so much. (laughs) I love talking to these guys about about their companies. How about Whole Foods? How many times do I embarrass you at Whole Foods?
1: Yeah. I mean, generally, like I love whole food so much that I would just walk away and go <laughs> do something else. But yeah, it was always like, can we just get our food and go and eat it? No, because I have to talk to the person making the burgers at the burger station, exactly. how it
0: goes with the hot food and how it all exactly. works and how their hours are. Exactly. And if you're not excited about doing that, that's probably not a company. That's something sitting in your three circles, and it's not something you're going to get deeply into. Whereas I love doing that. I don't love doing it with Amat or Lamb. I don't the love doing it with AMAT? these chip guys. These are all chip. Oh, it's companies. a chip guy. Chip guy. I do not love doing that <laughs> with those guys. Yeah, On but now hand, it was really
1: now I do it, and <laughs> I feel like I like I have these like moments where I'm like, oh my god, I'm turning into my father, like. <laughs> Do you ever, to anybody listening, do you ever look in the mirror and think for, for myself, I, I occasionally like look in the mirror and I go, oh my God, I'm turning into my mother. Like it's this like strange look for just like a split second. And I'm like, my mother's in, oh, it's me. And it's just so weird. So well, I have those honey, moments. I will
0: tell you right now, the picture that you took doing your TEDx talk, the one that you use for, for, for the, the screenshot. You look so yeah, much like I your do mother. look like I my can't mom there even a lot. Yeah, it's it. It actually definitely you actually
1: called me to tell me that. And I was like, oh I have
0: been staring God. at that picture and thinking, and, and how I, much and I I'm look like mom. When I was doing the stuff like that, you was so embarrassing to you. I'm channeling my grandfather. Oh, really? He would take us to the store and he would be talking to the guy at the lumber yard and he'd be talking to the guy at the you know, we'd go and breed a cow or something, be <laughs> yakking with the guy <laughs> or, or picking cherries and take them down to the, to the uh, cherry processor and he would be talking to everybody. And yeah, absolutely. I, oh, I get that funny. from him. That's yeah, funny.
1: Well, uh, and it's funny because like, I, I mean, I don't mean to say it naked. Like I am, my mom is beautiful and I'm very happy to look like her. It's not it's not like anything negative. Like, it's just this sort of weird moment of like, somebody else is there. Oh no, it's me. And I have that feeling when now I go and I talk to people in stores or restaurants or whatever. I like have this moment of like, I'm my dad. Oh no, it's me. It's okay. I, I, I'm actually like, this is important. <laughs> it's, okay
0: to, it's okay to be that part of my dad, but it's not my dad. It's me. It's me. I'm choosing to that. do this.
1: I'm not forced into that. it like olden times. Um, so, so, so okay. Couple, Wait, where are we here? Okay, so we did, I can describe the top three competitors competitors. and their secret sauce for making money in one sentence. Um,
0: All about, keep it simple.
1: Okay, give me the next one. We'll do one more.
0: The business is in the top of its industry by cash flow. So I use owner earnings and free cash flow. And I want to see a business that's really doing well with that criteria, as opposed to revenue or earnings, which are the typical views of who are the big guns in the industry. So this permits me to buy companies that are down scale from, you know, the big revenue makers in any given industry. So I'm not, I may, I might be interested in buying Wells Fargo, but let's say I'm not buying Wells Fargo bank right now. Mm -hmm. I might be looking at a regional bank that's way down the list from the big national banks, but really fabulous owner earnings free cash flow coming off of those that mm, company. Mm. Um and um, much better than the big guys. So that's what I'm really looking for. I so, want a cash flow business.
1: Okay. Because looking at earnings or something like that would mean you'd only be looking at the big guys. And this yeah. lets you um,
0: and and when we we'll get to earnings, I mean we'll we'll definitely look over all those things in terms of growth rates, but in terms of just hey, these guys look great, though one or two relative to its, you know, it's uh Revenue, I really like to see the really big cash flow guys.
1: And you specifically say the business is in the top of its industry by owner earnings and free cash flow because different industries can have different amounts for those things being kind of normal. They can be very different. Yeah.
0: Exactly. They can be different. You go to the car industry and it's going to be, you know, thin pickings because the margins are so thin, Mm -hmm. competition is so high. Um, And and you go to... uh, uh oil industry th- relatively thin because you got a lot of capex. Mm. You go to the software industry. you have gigantic owner earnings relative to earning revenue. So, yeah, each industry is different, ok. Next,
1: ok, one more. yes,
0: the core customer of the business. I know the core customer, and I usually like it to be me. <laughs> I, I want to know
1: be... the core customer, yep, of the
0: business. Yep. I can describe the core customer in one sentence. Preferably me. Preferably it's me. Uh, I really like being the guy they're aiming at. That helps me understand the business. I know why they're coming at me with Coca-Cola or Corona or uh, Harley Davidson's or Porsche or right burritos. I I know why they're coming my way. And go ahead.
1: I feel like I've gotten tripped up by that one because, um, cause I've had the same thought and you know, maybe, maybe I was right. I don't know. But I, um, for instance, I think I said this on the podcast. I, and you talked about Ulta just a minute ago. I did not like Ulta and I went in a few different stores. I didn't really like it. I didn't really want to buy stuff there. It wasn't really a great experience in several different locations. And yet all these other people were loving it and I couldn't. Um, figure out what why like my experience was different and so I kind of dropped that one and may- maybe that was the right thing I don't know no, but I right talked thing. to but I talked to somebody else about it because I was a bit confused and this person said something I thought was a good point which was you know just because you personally may not like it or may not be not like it that's too strong but like may maybe your core customer yeah it doesn't mean that other people aren't having a great experience like right. teenage girls are loving Ulta because it has all sorts of different options and a lot of it's less expensive than Sephora et cetera. it's like stuff that I don't care about as much and right. um and that's why they're having a different experience right and so right. it kind of let the light bulb go on for me of like oh, it's not all about me, like idiot, you know? So (laughs) it's not like, I don't have to be the perfect customer and have the best experience ever. So this is not a Whole Foods Chipotle situation every single time for Danielle Town. you know, like get my head out of my own, uh, you know, et cetera. I won't say, (laughs) but it was a good lesson to, to not um, be so focused on myself.
0: Super good point, Danielle. Really, really good point. Obviously I'm not the core customer for Ulta either or Sephora as far as that goes. So it's a little, uh, it's a little easier for me to start trying to look for who that core customer is. To be a little
1: more separated from it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can be a little more separated from it. And, And in fact, on that point, I just recently went into a Sephora and had a nice long talk with one of their salespeople who worked for Ulta before and said Mm. that they don't treat me as well. They are really demanding Mm. and I really love working for Sephora. It's much better. And You know, granted, she's got her point of view because she works there, right? Yeah. And it's not gospel, but it's an interesting, interesting thing. You, you, I think, would enjoy a Sephora store substantially more than an Ulta. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, you got to find the core customer and understand them. And I think that's a good place to stop for right now. I mean, we've I got so the too. rest of the list we'll post up and we can come back into that next time. But um, you, the basic idea, and we may not go deep into every one of these things. Every like single one, we single talking about may.
1: each one of them.
0: You like it? I do. Okay, then let's I'm just learning. keep rolling. As long as you guys like it, we'll keep going. All right. Well, so. I don't care what everybody else thinks. <laughs> no, you don't. I know. <laughs> 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 and you know what? That is why you have started to get very, very successful as an investor. If you don't care what everybody else That's thinks, that is almost, the, is almost the criteria of how to be a good investor. So start with that. And if you don't have that, you should learn it. So right there. Congratulations. You're doing great. On that So let's note. stop right there.
1: <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
0: Time to go play. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for our podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice Because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.